Star jump sequence terminates, Captain. Get the gravitational dampers online and open the blast aye, shield. Aye, sir. Bring us in closer. Aye, aye, sir. Moving us in on sublight drive. Extreme magnification. Nice. The center of the galaxy. And there's our black hole. The experience of a lifetime, Captain. Let me put this on audio. You should be able to hear the magnetic resonance. This is it, ladies and gentlemen. The edge of time and space where the impossible can happen. Welcome to the event horizon. Good morning, or afternoon, or evening, whatever is relevant for the part of the world you are in. Indeed, welcome to the Event Horizon, where the impossible happens. Join us each week at this time as we delve into the worlds of science fiction, fantasy, and science fact in all their forms. I'm your host, Gene Turnbow. And I am your other host, Susan Fox. And with us is Allison Peterson, the author of the third book in the Eden Quicksilver series, The Exiled Prince. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Hi. There's a third book. Yeah. I, I know. Momentous occasion. No, it's fantastic. I'm Thanks excited for stars. it. Now, this, uh, the, the uh, uh, advanced reviewer's copy said that this book is supposed to be out. Uh, it just came out in September of 2017. Yeah, on the 12th or 13th. I don't know. It was okay. in September. You're right. It was September. <laughs> <laughs> so, wow, this is... Uh, and I started reading it... Um, I confess that uh, I had so much going on, I didn't get to start reading it until today. And I just, uh, I Ooh. plowed through like the first 120 pages in like three hours, yeah, he, two he hours. Susan. Oh, goodness. Yeah, I hit the, yeah. Susan, it's usually Susan that, uh, that she's the one who can sit down with a, an 800 page book and have it read in three hours. Well. Oh, and, 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 and remember every exaggeration. No, oh, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> and and she remembers everything about it down to the last, you know. Oh, oh no, that. it's it's like you you go down the corridor and and it's the bathroom is to the left, not to the right, and she'll remember stuff like that. Oh, and that's and, uh, and so it's usually her that carries me through through the shows. Well, and you're going to have to do it for me this time because I've been paying <laughs> attention to. Important yeah. issues like paying for the station while I'm not not feeling well. Yeah, oh, but it got better. So yeah, it's all good. Yeah. So yeah. how have you been? It's been you haven't been. Let's see, you were with us last, last about year, uh, I guess. yes, sometime last year. About this I time think. last year, yeah, because yeah. book two came out around September, same time last year. So mm -hmm. it's been yeah, it's been about a year. Mm -hmm. so yeah. How are you? How are the kids? <laughs> Oh, they're older and meaner and grouchy. No, they're fine. <laughs> I, I think any teenager is going to have their day off, which is like every other day. But mm -hmm. um, no, they're fun. They're a riot. They are my writing material because they come home and they text me things. They say things at home, um, you know, in the car, you know, just wherever we're at. And I'm like, oh, I so need to write that down. That was fantastic. <laughs> and uh, and then it ends up in a book and they hate my guts. But that's just the age. They'll think it's cool in a couple of years. Oh yeah, they will. Uh, so is your yeah. oldest still the still the uh, still your life model for Ian? He is, and he gets more <laughs> sarcastic every year. It. <laughs> well, and that's, he, uh, it's great yeah, because Ian one, Quicksilver is is uh, uh, such a strong st such a strong character and so notable. I mean, he's, right. he's really yeah. feels vibrant and alive. He's very vibrant and alive because my son is very vibrant and alive. Um, well, you couldn't have normal yeah. kids, could you? <laughs> no, that'd be I, no, apparently so not. Book, I, so I can't. <laughs> you were saying about book one. Oh, uh, yeah, book one. He he was really quite upset with it because he was like, "You made me too sarcastic," and I thought, "Oh, honey, how about I tape you and you can listen to yourself because <laughs> then you can hear what I hear." And um, and he stopped complaining about that because like. He's all, um, I think you need to add just a little bit more. <laughs> and I, and I thought, yeah, I know. Cause you're now turning 16 soon and 
it only gets worse, <laughs> especially as we're driving and he's driving. Mm-hmm. Um, oh and, and I'm sitting there and I'm making comments like, please don't rear end that car. Please, 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 please. You know, kind of thing. <laughs> and, and he's like, stop it. I can't, I can't concentrate if you're yelling at me. And I'm like, I'm not even yelling at you. I'm telling you break, like break, 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 break now. <laughs> and, and he always comes back with some really dry snide quip, you know, and I'm all, I can't even be mad at you because that was fantastic. I'm going to write it down. <laughs> So he makes some, he, it's always interesting when we're together. He's, I mean, he's just fodder for so much. And, and so is my younger son. My youngest son is, um, it, he, he is the epitome of Doctor Who number 11. Oh. And, uh, and, and he has a very, very strong hero complex. So I end up in the office a lot with the principal and him. <laughs> Because he's, he's standing kinda, up for people who can't stand uh-huh. up for themselves. Absolutely, wow. and um, and and the principal doesn't even know what to do with him. He's like, I'd suspend you, but I can't because <laughs> you're doing the right thing. And uh, you know, and then, and of course, I, <laughs> I I always tell him like, sweetheart, just take it down two notches and or four, five, ten. I don't know. Take a pick. <laughs> just tone it down. And uh, but he really does have that Matt Smith. Doctor Who number 11 type personality where he's just I'm going to solve your problems and it's going to be amazing and just (laughs) five minutes to figure it out kind of thing. Right. So he's, yeah. They're both awesome. So um, is he the pattern for Corbin then? No, actually (laughs) Corbin is patterned after my husband oh, my my husband okay. is very rule driven mm-hmm. and straightforward scientific and analytical minded and there is point a to point b and if c comes along we'll cross that bridge when we get there kind of way of thinking um which is why corbin is like uh um he's just sort of off the rails by chapter seven <laughs> In, yes. in the exiled prince, he's just sort of off the rails. He is completely out of his element by at that at that point. Oops. Yes, he is. In all in all three books, he's out of his element because he's so structured and he's so, you know, why can't you do this? It's in our blood. It's who we are. We are warriors. You know, why can't you abide by the rules? Why is this a problem? Get it together, kind of thing. Have, which they don't have teenagers on that world. Come on. <laughs> well, and and, and uh, one of the very first things you set up in the Exiled Prince is that um, Ian Quicksilver is uh, having a little trouble with the warrior's way of life. Um, it's, well, he's it's, never mm-hmm. been taught it, you know. It, they they mm-hmm. they treat him as if it's something that's inborn, and maybe it's not as inborn as these the the the, the natives think. And yet, it is magic. Okay, yeah. It's he's magically constrained. He's, he's, uh, that is correct. You know, it's 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 one thing to say, fight or die. It's another to say, if you don't fight, the magic spell that constrains you to do this will kill you. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, everything about um, the warriors is um, you marry or die. You stay with your wife or die. You war or die. You do it or die. I mean, it really is just very black and white because... That's the way that they are. They're very black and white on everything. They're rule driven, and you know, really and then die? they wore a specific way. So would they really die, or is that just? Oh no, they really would. They really would because die. They're, they're magically constrained to follow the rules, mm. which right. which well, which I mean, it, probably yeah. makes for a lot of very conflicted warriors. You know, absolutely. Because, yeah, because they're not absolutely. they're not always crazy about this. I have one choice, or I'm dead thing. What you if know, you were really um, meant to be a clock repairman or something? I mean, <laughs> they can't all be warriors. Well, I guess they can. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, I couldn't put all of the different factions of the, the bank here, um, uh, hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously, and it's touched on in book two, um, it, it's obvious that there are some warriors that have conflicting problems. Um, I do believe that Corman brought up his uncle who went a little crazy. Yeah. Um, 
he was the liaison between Bank here and Garfell. And of course, dealing with a peace driven people um, didn't quite mesh up with his warrior way of thinking. So when he saw that the the, the peacekeepers of, of Garfell were not the people that the warriors made them out to be, I mean, it really did kind of break his mind. Um, and And that, of course, it got touched very, very lightly in book two, um, because that's what Ian is facing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, starting from book one, the whole reason why Ian can't quite war like the warriors want him to war is because he gave it away. I don't know if that's a total spoiler. Spoiler alert! Well, if the book, <laughs> book two's been out a while, so if they haven't read it by now, okay. too bad. Yeah, if you haven't read book two, this is uh, this is a big spoiler alert. <laughs> um, but it, two of it, them together, it, however, are pretty awesome. Yes. So he gave his ability to war as a warrior should to Ariana, and Arya gave Ian her ability to be a true peacekeeper, which is why Ian is having such a difficult time going to war and doing everything that he's supposed to be doing. Um, not only is it that he's you know he's never been around this culture before he's lived on earth with you know some ethical guidelines obviously Mm -hmm. um so it makes it doubly more difficult which of course and i'm not quite sure it's very subtle in the undertone ariana is having to deal with the fact that she's not a true peacekeeper either she's having these very warlike thoughts she is battling with herself and with ian um and especially as you come i'm not quite sure if you're to the part how far are I am going? I am two days away from them getting married. Okay. Are you uh to the war ender yet? I am at the I am at the war ender scene and uh things have gone sideways. <laughs> okay. But you see how Ariana's conflicted? Mm-hmm. She knows Ian is supposed to do a certain thing, but she doesn't want him to do it, but she does want him to do it. <laughs> because yeah, because yeah, she wants him to be able she's to, very conflicted to function well. But at the same time, she knows that uh, what's going on is not what it seems and that right. there's, there is, is something ever? else. Yeah, there's something. I like Norg. <laughs> <laughs> so glad the, you do. The character. I love Norg. The, 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 uh, the, uh, uh, what's the species? The whole. Hor- uh, he's a Horbrin. Horbrin. Yeah. Yeah. He's from Horfank. He can't cut a so, break, can he? He's, he he's, he's supposed to be the priest that that uh, that initiates combat by being the sacrificial lamb. Uh, the, yes. Yeah, the sacrificial and priest he can't, at the can't beginning. Get his butt killed, can he? No, no. Oh, and it just <laughs> annoys him to no end. <laughs> so frustrating. Uh, but he also, and I won't spoil it for you. He also wants something very specific. I can't talk. He wants something very specific from Ian that only Ian can give him. And, and that's freedom. He wants freedom from Horfink and from the Horbrin and that all comes out in the end. So, uh, but there, the whole dynamic of Ian and Arya is that they can't, they have a hard time living with each other and they have a hard time, even worse time living apart from each other. So they need each other desperately and they're making that work up until this point, the gears haven't quite, you know, meshed. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, yeah. And I then can, I can see and, they're still trying to find their way as a couple. They're trying to they're oh, we're supposed to be together. I guess, you know, we're supposed to try to make this work however we can. And right. there's really no there's really no rule book for this because they're no. from two different it's unusual. two different civilizations. <laughs> right. And what Ian doesn't realize is the the whole courtship of Bankarian warriors, which is very short and violent. Um he did get that with Ariana, just her brand of it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, for example, in book one, when they um, when I mean, she pretty much blasted him with magic and knocked him completely off his feet. I mean, really, honestly, the the absolute euphoria that he felt is what the banker warriors feel when their women hit them. And then it's like, congratulations, oh. you love each other, get married. The end. You know, because it, <laughs> it is, it's very violent. It's like either they they um, they fight with you or they hate you. Um, there's no in between. There's no, oh, do I like him or not? I'm not quite sure. Um, you know, it, like I said, it's just very violent and very mm-hmm. short. And so he did get that with Ariana. He just didn't recognize what was going on. Um, so it was there. Um 
Um, and then of course, Ariana, you know, just having her, you know, not complete with her memory, not complete with her magic, um, you know, all of that. And when they finally are open to, you know, love each other and care about each other, it's almost like starting over. Um, you know, it's kind of like, because wait a second, do I like because this Because all of the extra baggage gets washed away and they get to start, they get to start fresh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and the premise of the book that, uh, that, I mean, usually in a fantasy novel, the magic is this rare thing and it's special and it's breathtaking when it happens. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, um, it's like you're chasing fairy folk through the woods and you get a, uh, um, you know, you get a sliver or a glimmer of something and that's the magic. And, uh, mm-hmm. it, it changes somebody's soul. And, but in this, it's, there's so much magic mm-hmm. that, that uh, uh, it actually burns. It can kill you. Yeah, there's can, a lot. Can, yeah, there's so much of it that it can actually kill you by burning you out from the literally burning you out from the inside. Well, you like use it was like that mm-hmm. once. Now we use it every day. And yeah, the the uh, the king King Ekrand is uh, is dying, and he is dying because he you can only carry that the there there can only be one quicksilver with that much power because it's. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's dying because he has carried it too too long. And there's too much of it for his body to handle. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why uh, that's why too um, I set up that they have these ridiculously large families, mm-hmm. and he has girl after girl after girl after girl after girl. I mean, if you realize, if you do the math, um, his mother and father didn't have Ian until they were well past 300 years old. Yeah. Uh, because somebody has to keep those warriors in line for all of those, you know, decades. Um, because as soon as you have that son with the birthright, um, you're dead. So if your firstborn is a son, your reign is short. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. And, but it's Ian's very- got, uh, 14 sisters. Yeah. Most of whom, most of whom he doesn't like very much. Yeah, he just doesn't. You know, I, can barely remember their names, experience. and when he can remember <laughs> their names, they're just sort of like they're sharp. They're they're prickly. They're not they're yeah. not friendly people. Well, and the youngest one isn't that close, isn't she? Like fifty or something. Something like yeah. that. Piper's, yeah, Piper's the Piper. difference is like fifty years. Pipes, mm-hmm. pipes. pipes. She hates being pipes. We love pipes. <laughs> uh, yeah, Piper was actually my, my absolute favorite sister to create. Um, and the reason why I created 14 separate sisters, um, and you know, like I love master Tyne, which is one of his older sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, master Tyne has been around for a long time. She, you know, she, uh, trains the young warriors and, and that is her job. And she is the best warrior on the planet as well. She trained Corbin. So, I mean, you can see where Corbin gets his skill. Right. right. Um, but she is the best of the best. And uh, and I love her. I mean, her whole attitude, her whole, you know, bluntness and, uh, you know, how she treats and, you know, trash talks her youngest brother. You know, it just makes me happy. And, you know, like Maritime, she's very rule driven. And, you know, um, everything has its reason and purpose. And you don't step out the lines because that's been her life this whole entire time. Mm-hmm. Um, and Piper Amsden was kind of fun. Cause like I said, there's a whole bunch in between that kind of get shuffled aside and it really is. It's, it's a very, um, inbred society because it's like every corporal and captain and general and is married to a quicksilver princess. And, uh, and I mean, Why he can't even go to, women. huh? Those are all you women. Know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh I mean he can't even go to a, a, a war council without having some brother in law, cousin, you know, somebody there that he's related to. Um but Piper Piper was very enjoyable and uh to write because it's my sister. <laughs> she doesn't listen to this because she'll be like, What? How dare you? Um I I have a kids in my family and I have six sisters Oof. and we shared one bathroom. Oh my God. I let that sink in six girls, one bathroom. <laughs> oh my God. The scheduling yeah. issues alone. Yes. Mornings were, uh, they were a trick 
And then, well, scheduling so that you can actually have a hot shower is the trick. Um, and, and really it was, especially with my sisters, they all had their each individual personality, but there were enough of them that there were some that meshed all together. And then there was one or two that I was really close with. And the one that I was really close with is the one that's only 18 months older than I am, my sister. And, uh, she became Piper because my sister is very rule driven, but she does struggle with wanting to break out and break rules because we did break a lot of rules <laughs> together. And, uh, and so that dynamic, the family dynamic is actually very much my own family dynamic with all of those, those girls. Um, and of course it's something that Ian has to really adjust to him. Mean, he goes from being um, an absolute nobody um, by himself, completely alone and, uh, you know, and adopted and I mean, not even with a real parent family type thing dynamic uh, to an absolute influx overload mm-hmm. of family. Um, and with that, it was very easy to do because it was culture shock. My husband had culture shock going from, you know, just two extra kids in his family to mine, which was <laughs> and all of their husbands and and, and kids, kids and, and all of that. Yeah. So like his like Thanksgiving a, went from a very quiet affair to my house, which was, I mean, you can't even hear yourself think. A it's small insane. city. <laughs> yeah. A war tribe. Yes. <laughs> oh my very, gosh. You yes. know. I had a lot to draw from. So, but Am, uh, Amazon and Piper were very much my sisters and especially Piper. And so, Piper's interest in, in Corbin and Corbin's interest in Piper, um, was just a fun dynamic. It was just like one of those fun little extra details that I got to put into there. Uh, she's just too much nice. bigger than I intended. Well, she's just too nice to me at the beginning of the book. I'm going, Oh, that's just going to be so sad. He'd be happier if she punched him. <laughs> it's probably oh. right. That's probably right. Have you read to the end? Do you no, want me to spoil no, she it hasn't. for you? No, she hasn't. <laughs> okay, I hope yeah, we haven't. We haven't. Okay, then I won't spoil it for you. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, yeah you can't. Uh, you You'll can, find you can't, out. You can't see her face because we're on radio, but uh, she put her hand over her face and yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't. We don't normally have the camera on while we're recording radio, but uh, in this case, you know, it's it's kind of fun. Um, oh, no, it's a good thing. I'm yeah. all dressed to, uh-huh. to go to martial arts, and you don't want to look at me right now. <laughs> Ninja. So um, yeah. you had uh, you had all of the world building and all of this mostly done for this book. Did that make the development of this edition uh, in the series go faster for you? or Maybe it was it... harder because, you know, then you have to pay attention, more attention to the story. <laughs> You know, the character, right. d- d- yeah. character development sucked up the extra time. Um, no, actually, the character development was really the easy part because I knew exactly what my characters were going to do. Piper was planned um, in the middle of book one, writing book one. Mm-hmm. Um, Edrak, uh, King Edrak, uh, his father was planned. And so was General Byrne. All of those characters were created right around the end of book one, as I was mm-hmm. finishing book one. Um, and especially since, you know, King Ed- Edrak shows up in book one. Um, in book two, with the arrival of, you know, his sisters at the very end of the book and with King Edrak, um, and of course, Ariana's parents by the end of book two, um, those were those were all really easy because they've been around for a long time. However, um, what was really difficult, and I wish I could show you what I have, um, just the creation of the planets and how developed that they needed to be, what their purposes were, um, exactly where they fit within the universe was infinitely more difficult, um, especially since I, I had to go back and reread books one and two thoroughly and have them marked up. Um, I know you can't see this on the radio, but I have a book here with a whole lot of tabs. And, you know, I, I reserve a book out of 
you know, what is given to me just to write into the margins. So I write on my own, on the own margins of my own books it's, it's, um, uh, so that I know what's going on. It's a paperback book and it's got these blue sticky notes bristling out of every page. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it reminds me of like the Scarecrow of Oz, yeah, except you need a yeah, straw, except this is sticky notes. <laughs> <laughs> yep, those, those all my sticky notes, and and I've written and rewritten because I had to know exactly where I mentioned things, and if I had mentioned them, um, or if not, then introduced them. Um, so that that was it's tricky when you start building worlds on book three. Um, it, it does get a little bit more tricky, especially since he's visiting other worlds apart from his. I had to make a home base, mm-hmm. so my home base is. It's been at this point, uh, Puckerbush, Nevada, and now his home base is Casimir, um, bank here. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, that it's a totally different dynamic. And then I had to go back and one thing, oh my goodness, it's a good thing I didn't write this because my editor didn't catch it, um, was that in book three, um, I was, I had three chapters where they, uh, went to bank here. Uh, Garf- Garfell, sorry, where they went to Garfell, which is Ariana's planet. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I wrote it as this completely, you know, funky, funky planet. And, you know, and everything was magic driven, driven. It was, you know, these weird bubble like trees and all this kind of stuff. And then I went back and I thought, huh, I wonder if I've re- written anything about these planets who I had. And surprise, surprise, in book one and in book two, I had described Bank here and Garfell as absolutely identical planets in every way. And I thought, delete. And I had to start over. So uh and then I had to go back because I know I mentioned other planets um as you know Corbin's describing to Ian what's going on on out in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. And I just realized, oh, yeah, I can use that planet and this planet and that planet. And then I gave them little personalities and life and um, and characters of their own. And uh, and then it just kind of exploded out from there. But really, it took me like two, three, three drafts mm-hmm. to figure out what exactly everybody's doing, what planet they come from and why. And, uh, and that was the most difficult. But once you knuckle that down, I think... Um, well, I was laid up with a broken ankle. It took me about eight weeks to finish that one. How'd you break so. the ankle? Oh, martial arts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I figured that would be probably it. That was going to be the answer. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I love, yeah. I love the fact that you actually know something about martial combat and that, uh, you know, the spirit of this ends up in your books. Oh, absolutely. Um I um, I really take issue with people who say that, you know, you can obtain a black belt just by showing up. Um, I obviously did not have my sensei. (laughs) Obviously not. (laughs) Obviously not. Broken Um, ankle. Uh. Yeah, he's six degree (laughs) black belt in in traditional Taekwondo. Mm -hmm. And uh, no, he expects you to be a full black belt with all that goes with it. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm nearing 40, I'm, I'm 37 and mm-hmm. I just tested for my black belt and, and I passed. Yay. I passed. Wow. Congratulations. Um, and, and no, he would not pass some of our students because they did not meet the qualifications. And, uh, and it really was, it's like, you know, you need to run a mile in under eight minutes and, you know, so many push up sit-ups and physical activity, Testing took three hours and you had to make it all the way through with 80% or better proficiency. And, uh, it was hard. <laughs> it <laughs> was hard. Wow. I have never been that sore in my entire life. That well, is I think impressive. In any, in any field, there's schools where, you know, you pay your fee, you get your degree. Right. But, and others that are real, you know, places of learning. And you, sounds like you got the right. good one. Yeah, I really do feel like I got the Harvard version of Black Belt. <laughs> Boy, howdy. Yeah, well, and that's good, you know, because yeah. you know that your Black Belt means something. Oh, absolutely. Which, I mean, it bleeds right into everything I write because I write primarily, you know, champions, warriors, adventurers as my main characters. I mean, these these very chivalrous type people. And the men that I know down at the uh, studio, 
um, the ones that make this their lives, they are these people and it bleeds into absolutely everything that they do. I have a hard time not bowing to people and yes, ma'am, yes, sir, um, everywhere I go. And because it really does, it becomes a part of who you are. There's no in-between ground. Um, and, and I say that, um, I'm sure you're aware of this new campaign, Me Too. Yes. yes. That's going through the internet. Um, and, uh, I think the most depressing part of this is that everybody seems to say, I froze. I didn't know what to do. I, you know, I clammed up. And, um, the best part about being a black belt was last time that I was, um, sexually assaulted. Uh, I turned around it was automatic. It really was automatic. And that guy will probably have to sit on ice <laughs> for a <laughs> long time. Wow. And to me, it's not, I froze. I acted. Wow. And, and so my, my hashtag me too became, no, no. Excuse me a moment. Nemo, stop that. Get down here. <laughs> you dumb dog. I have always wanted to um to study martial arts, but I just I have never never started that path. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, I I've done other things like become a musician and things like that, but I have always had the deepest respect for that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I, I have too as well. And a lot of it is, um, I wanted to have respectful sons. That was the absolute paramount, most important thing to me was to have respectful children. And, and it wasn't just that I wanted to force them into it. I wanted them to want it. Mm-hmm. And, and in, in martial arts, I, you know, you come to a point in your training where you want to be that respectful person. You want to be, you don't want to level up. You want to be live higher, live better, live smarter and that sort of thing. And, um, and it really does end up spilling over into all sorts of things. Um, and, and, but to me, I mean, I, I'm writing about these chivalrous men and it isn't, Oh, I will save you. You know, you're the female, you need this strong man. No, it's, I respect you. And this, you know, these things shouldn't be happening to you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that to me is the difference between, uh, you know, a, a regular everyday guy and a guy who's, or man or woman who has been touched by martial arts. And it really is a mentality thing. I do know a lot of martial artists who it's, Ooh, who can I beat up? Who can I hurt? Yeah. Um, I'm stronger than you. And that is not the purpose of a black belt. The purpose of a black belt is you're in control of yourself. And, uh, and that really does, um, you know, penetrate into all of my books because um I want boys or girls actually both my readers in general to feel empowered when they're done reading my books I want them to feel like I could do that that is that's important that's important to me I I think that's really uh an important theme in uh young adult literature certainly uh, but in mm-hmm. literature in general, um, you see mm-hmm. it in you see it in the esprit de corps of the Starship Enterprise uh, and how they treat each other with respect and and mm-hmm. that's why I couldn't stand the new Battlestar Galactica or any of the other grim dark things where people didn't respect each other. They didn't mm-hmm. they weren't a team. They were there to you know. I got mine to hell with you mm-hmm. attitudes right. and that's no right. way to live. But you right. see it again, I you totally see it agree. again in the, mm-hmm. uh, in the myth of the mythos of the Jedi in Star mm-hmm. Wars, very, very Bushido sort of mm-hmm. approach to things. And, yeah. um, you know, the honor Harrington books, <laughs> right. You know, and all of that stuff. Um, Oh, absolutely. I mean, as a, you know, as a young girl growing up, um, the, the Star Trek series with Captain Kirk and the very first, I mean, you've got an officer, black, female, and uh, she's on the bridge, Uhura, and she's on the bridge, Uhura. and yeah. nobody, you know, it's not treated as anything unusual. She's just part nope. of the I mean, it's like staff. completely natural. And to me, growing up, that was mind blowing because, uh, you know, at that point, I, I had never seen that 
kind of treatment for girls up to, you know, um, yeah, yeah. My parents they, were they very she's traditional. Such a, she's such an inspiration to uh, young black girls, but no, it's just girls in general. Yeah, yeah. yeah women in general. Yeah, just that strong character, female. Uh, the fact that she was black, too, just blew my mind. And I loved it. Every second of it. And I just remember it was like, oh, dad, dad, it's on. It's on. Turn it on. You know, I just, I got to watch my show. Uh-huh. And he was like, oh, you're such a geek. But it wasn't the science fiction that caught, that snagged me into that show. It was O'Hara. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and ever since, you know, it's just, um, it, it just, it opened my mind. It really did. And I found myself getting more and more irritated with shows like Princess Bride. Classic. Love that show. Not so cool with her being such a, you know, damsel in distress. Um, so, I mean, and I do, I do, I do love mm-hmm. that show. Don't get me wrong. Please, listeners, do not hate my guts. I do love that show. <laughs> <laughs> it is a classic. I watch it every year. Um, but it's, that's why, and, and two, it's, a, it's another reason why, why I write sci-fi and fantasy because you can, take those boundaries and you don't have to pussyfoot around uh, race and gender like it's something bad. No, you put it in there as they're empowered and equals and we don't have that problem, you know, or if we do have that problem, we're working through it. Um, and, and that to me, it's like, okay, if this is what we envision the future, let's work towards it. That's, it's important. Well, and you, brought up the the fact that uh Ian and Ari uh later on in this book must come to terms with who they are so that they can start their relationship afresh mm-hmm. and it's because their preconceived notions about who they should be and who the other person is have fallen away exactly exactly and uh once they come to terms with that things will get much, much better for both of them. Um, and it's a beautiful thing. It's a very beautiful thing to write. It's a fun thing to write because it really is. They have to take all the shackles that they've been, you know, cultural shackles that they've been under on earth and they have to break through those and they have to take away the cultural shackles of their planets and break through those and then realize who they are to each other. And, uh, and that to me is it's fun that's fun. It's just fun to write, you know, and, uh, man, I got to the end of book four and I'm sorry. Oops. Sorry. Spoiler. I got a good thing. I stopped myself before I said that. (laughs) (laughs) So you've got book four going. Yeah. You've gotten to the end of book four. You've got a first draft. No, I'm, I'm, uh, I just got done outlining it and, um, and I got the first chapter written. Okay, well, <laughs> but you've you got know, it. You've got it. You've planned. got the. You've got the outline, and you know where yeah, it's going. I definitely know where it's going and yeah. what's going to happen. Well, if the first thing and, that the, yeah. if they have their first child and it's a boy, there's going to be problems. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Uh, yeah. Well, you know when I when I uh, created the world, I did have to realize too, and I do have a lot of people, and it, it's it's interesting. I have a lot of my young readers that they just love it. They're like, oh, I love how they, you know, they have so much trouble getting along, you know, that they seem to hit and miss and then hit sometimes, but miss other times, you know, it just doesn't seem to quite mesh. And, and then I have adult readers where they're like, oh my gosh, when are they going to get it together? (laughs) You do Uh realize that they're 16 years old and I'm not going to have them have sex on the page. So, right, right. Yeah, yeah because sixteen-year-olds never do it. Come on. Uh, <laughs> oh please. Oh, no. oh you know what's you yes. know what's really the no, worst I thing you can do to you. them. The I worst, agree with you. The worst thing you can do to them. It's twin boys. <laughs> what happens then? What happens? Double duty. Succession? Double duty. Yeah. Um, I was going to to. I was going to. I, oh, she, she's I'm put not, you on the hot seat, I mean, hasn't she? Sorry. Yeah, she really has. I'm feeling a little hot under the collar here. Um, <laughs> she's probably already got answers to that, but she can't tell me. I can't. I'm sorry. That would spoiler, <laughs> that spoiler, would spoil spoiler. It. Uh, All right. Uh, shut up. So, 
Um, let's Do we see. have a title? Do you have like a title for the thing? new book yet, or is I it don't. working? Okay, no, that's still in. Yet. So you title you uh, uh, you title your books um, after you've thought them through and gotten things much further along. Then, yeah, but uh, I mean, yeah. is it is well, it, I mean, is it the return well, of the the evil sorcerer, or is it the banana garden? It could be anything, you know, <laughs> the boudet. The, the ba- um, the bana- <laughs> wait, the banana garden? I just made that up. You know, we uh, need, yeah, no. It's okay. Um, we well, need no longer fear the banana. <laughs> I Captain yeah, Ed, yeah. Captain Ed Mercer told us that. Yes, no more fear <laughs> the banana. No um, longer fear the banana. I do know that, like, book one went through four title changes. Oh. Um, book I knew exactly what I wanted to title mm-hmm. it and I titled it. Um, book three, I think that the editor and I threw out like five, six, seven different titles before we kind of like, oh, that one, you know, just kind of <laughs> uh-huh. blind darts, blind darts, whatever it hit, that was what it was going to be. Um, and, and this one, I really don't know what to call it. I, I just, I don't, I won't know until I'm done with it. Well, I, I can expect it will not be called the banana garden. Stop. No. <laughs> you came up with that. No. So, okay. Well, that's contending. How it's fourth, the contending fourth title. <laughs> yeah, the fourth book. Oh and the, the, this is such, the thing is that these books, uh, if you haven't read any of the Ian Quicksilver books, go start with the first one, buy them all. Read them. <laughs> they yeah, are you don't so wait. much fun. You don't want to wait between them if you can Read them avoid all. it. No, yeah. You know, I mean, this is this is like, uh, you know, binge watching something on Netflix. Go buy all the books, read them all. And then by the time you're done, book four will be um, on the boil. You know, I thought about, oh, sorry, what? I, I, by, the, by the time you're done doing that, book four will be at least part part way along. And you won't have long to wait to, to buy the fourth one. <laughs> Yeah, well, no, usually, I mean, if you're going to read through all three, I'm sure book four will be done and ready to go. Okay. <laughs> I write pretty fast. No problem. <laughs> but, uh, no, I, this this I can say out loud. Um, for anybody who is a Corbin fan, um, I was going to write his own book, but I found out due to copyright issues, I cannot. So if you have That's any spoilers weird. you want to hear about Corbin and his background, I will spoiler all over that. <laughs> That's weird. Why uh, copyright? Somebody issues? else probably owns the universe. I guess I don't know. Or something. no, no. My my publisher owns the universe, but I didn't want to stay with my publisher. So oh. with that with that particular book, uh-huh. because it wouldn't fit what they were looking for. Right. Um, it wouldn't fit any of the genres that they print. So I'd have to find a new publisher for it mm-hmm. um, because it would be adult. Uh, fantasy fiction and right. um and my publisher would want it to be YA and I uh, Corbin's an adult so it wouldn't work right right yeah I, I can oh, see why I can see why that would be a problem so. because his yeah. his story is going to be necessarily bloody well for one thing he had three wives all of whom were killed <laughs> uh, yes uh, yes by by and there's a whole backstory there that we don't know anything mm-hmm. about. Yeah, war, so, famine, and pestilence, right? Yeah. Right. Well, it's, and, <laughs> he's death. Well, and he's, he's got, uh, uh, what, what was his name? Ryland? Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, Captain Ryland. Yeah, Captain Ryland. Who, he fought with uh, Corbin side by side. They were inseparable until something happened. And Ryland yeah. supposedly... Killed all three of his wives at the same time. Oh, how many his, did he have? He, he had so three sisters. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah, he had three. They're Ryland's sisters. He Corbin married Ryland's sisters. Mm. All three were his, sisters. and that didn't bode well with Ryland. And the more okay, Captain Ryland, um, in the book, he seems like such a congenial guy. You know, he's really pretty mm-hmm. laid back. Um, you know, he follows the rules, but he does it with style kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. but what you find out about Captain Ryland is there is a very insidious side. To he's got that a, he's man. got a dark streak to him. 
Yes, he does, because he was very willing to kill his own sisters just to destroy his best friend. So, uh, and that's another thing where it's like, wow, that would be an epic book (laughs) that I can't write. Yeah, it sure would. Yeah, it sure would. Yeah, I could spoil that all you like. Uh, (laughs) But really, their their back history is bloody and uh, long and horrible. Well, and and they're uh, both of the warrior cast. So, you know, mm -hmm. and they're born and locked to that destiny. Absolutely. You know, in, in, Absolutely. In part, in part because of the society they live in, and in part because they're magically compelled to mm-hmm. do to do a lot of the things that they do. Exactly, and and of course, like their their entire backstory, which you haven't read about yet, so I can't spoil it for you. Um, is a well, and the the bloodlust, um, the fact that they're ruled by it, and mm-hmm. they can't fight without it. Um, they have their own brand of magic that makes them who they are, but that bloodlust was absolutely uncontrolled until Boulder the first, the first Quicksilver. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that whole story right there to me, oh, you know, I love historical backstories. Um, they're a lot of fun. They're difficult to write because you have to keep them distinct, succinct and short mm-hmm. and to the point. And so that your reader doesn't go, oh, look, another chapter of this. I think I'm bored and we'll shut the book. Um, so it's a delicate balance to bring those yeah, in. But Boulder the mm-hmm. first was fantastic. He was a lot of fun to write in when I was writing the the character sketches for those books. Um, because Corbin is Ian's first cousin. Oh, wow. They're related. Well, everybody and, in there is. Well, yeah, I suppose related. they would be, yeah, because, because of how the family structures work. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's sort of... Um, yeah, that sheds some new light on Corbin mm-hmm. as a character. Yep. Wow. Um, even though he didn't, you know, and and of course his his father is General Byrne, mm-hmm. and uh, and that whole dynamic, it's like you know, the king's general is the father of Corbin, who's kind of you know is on the outs, obviously. Yeah, and uh, and who's Cor- uh, Ian's cousin, and. You know, who's, you know, he could have married in even further into the family, but decided not to. And he married into Ryland's family, who's a completely different um, bloodline, royal mm-hmm. bloodline. Uh, but Ryland, Ryland marries into Quicksilver's for position and power. Um, and then, of course, Corbin, he marries for love and because, you know, he wants to and he right, can fight better right. and is a better mm-hmm. person with a wife at his uh, side. So, um, you know, and of course the dynamic of Corbin, who really is, I don't know if you've picked up on this, but I hope people have picked up on this, really does have a soft side to him. He may be all crusty and mean and gruff on the outside, but he does have a mushy center. And yeah, that's very much my husband. He's kind of <laughs> crusty on the outside. He's got uh-huh. a lot of mush on the inside. And, uh, and another thing that is very much like my husband as well is that they like to keep their backstories to themselves, which is why I really wanted to have Corbin have his own book. And I'm very mm-hmm. disappointed that he could not. Oh, um, yeah. Cause his arrival on earth was hinted at, you know, I mean, he arrived in Egypt. And he scared the living bejeebies out of this Cairo kid on the way to school um, in his arrival. And uh, the fun part is all of his his adventures, because if you're a warrior and you show up at a planet, you want to do your job. So for Corbin, he, you know, he signed up with the French Foreign Legion because they take everybody. Right. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. And you're, you're there to fight for everybody and on every continent. And, uh, and that seemed like the obvious choice. So he got to work with Marines and, you know, Canadians and French mm-hmm. and British and South African and Egyptian and all these different sort of people. And his adventures to me on Earth, um, shaped who he is when he goes back because Piper notices that Corbin is completely different than when he left. Hmm, when he yes. was exiled, yes, that's, and and oh. he really is. He learns how to be a human with ethics and kindness and goodness, and uh, and and that to me, his development of his character. By the time he meets Ian, mm-hmm. you know, he's like, I've got to make this boy into my future king, but he still does not forget what he has been through, which is why I love Corbin so much. That's. A story I wish I could read. 
That be, that really <laughs> sounds. I mean, the more you the more you tell me about it, the more interested I am in his backstory. It sounds like fan yeah. fiction. It's re, oh, it's just so. The world that you have created is so richly textured and so uh, so warm and alive that yeah, yeah. Uh, it just yeah. it you just can't help but being inhaled into this and right. putting yourself into the middle of the whole thing. We are talking to Allison Peterson, the author of The Exiled Prince, the third book in the Ian Quicksilver series, soon to be a fourth book. A fourth book is on the way. We are so glad that we finally managed to get our schedules intersected so that we could talk I'm to glad. you. You are such yeah. a delight to have on. And, and oh, uh, we look forward to having you on um, when your next book is ready. Oh, absolutely. No, I look forward to it. Last time we chatted, it was such a riot. It was so much fun. So <laughs> We talked a lot about cows, I remember. <laughs> I, I couldn't believe what I was hearing, to be honest. Going, Don't we have a book we're supposed to talk about? Today it's monkeys and It was like 20 minutes about cows, I think. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I do believe I was telling you a few stories of my upbringing, which yeah. was horrible. I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's okay. That's absolutely fine. Yeah, but I mean, that informs your writing also, so it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> oh, everything has its place. Um, yeah. it, well, not unfortunately. Fortunately. Um and I and I'm not going to name names or what author wrote what, but every once in a while I pick up just something that's on the bestsellers list, and and I keep on thinking, oh my goodness, is this what we're writing nowadays? And I think, oh, it was hard growing up the way that I grew up, but by golly, I'm so grateful because it adds such an incredible depth to my writing. You do. It was horrible going through it, but it was great afterwards. Absolutely. Allison Peterson, thank you Absolutely. so much for joining us. Uh, it has been a true pleasure. Oh, thank pleasure. you for having me. And we're <laughs> Thank out. you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You have been listening to episode 183 of Krypton Radio's weekly production of The Event Horizon for October 21st, 2017. Our guest today has been science fiction and fantasy writer Allison Peterson, creator of the Ian Quicksilver Young Adult series. Her newest book is The Exiled Prince. Your hosts were Krypton Radio executive producers Susan Fox and station manager Gene Turnbow. This episode will air again at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern tomorrow afternoon, that's Sunday, and two more times on the following Thursday and Saturday mornings at 4 a.m. Pacific, 7 a.m. Eastern. Once all of the airtimes have passed, you will find this episode and others on iTunes, Stitcher, and on our own website at kryptonradio.com as podcasts. Krypton Radio is listener-supported science fiction geek culture radio, and the vast majority of our funding comes from listeners just like you. If you liked this evening's program and enjoy listening to Krypton Radio, please visit patreon.com slash kryptonradio and contribute whatever you can. If all you can afford is a dollar a month, that's perfectly fine, but it is important that you do it. Now, while you're thinking about it, would be good, actually. We appreciate your support. The Event Horizon title sequence was written and produced by Gene Turnbow. The science officer was played by science fiction illustrator Mark Schirmeister. The engineer was Christian B. McGuire. The navigator was Christian Cherry. And the captain was voiced by science fiction grandmaster Larry Niven. This program is copyright 2017 by Krypton Media Group, Incorporated. The Event Horizon on Krypton Radio. It's sci-fi for your Wi-Fi. <laughs>